You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And the slide will come up in just a moment that'll tell you if you use the Pew Bible, what page that's on. And if you're using the Pew Bible and need a Bible for yourself or someone you love, please take that today as our gift to you. If you're using a tablet or a phone, if you use the YouVersion Bible app and follow those instructions, it'll take you right to our scripture. And as you're getting there, I also want to let you know that we're going to have a second offering today. So we typically do this on a fifth Sunday for our missionaries, but this is a special occasion where we're going to be taking a second offering. And the second offering, those monies are going to go to the United Way to help those who've been affected by the fires recently. So if you want to contribute, we would greatly appreciate your generosity on behalf of those who have been displaced, on behalf of those who are recovering, on behalf of those who are continuing uh, in the midst of life to deal with those fires. Uh, we are going to be continuing to pray. We have been as a community, but we want to try to reach out in a tangible way. And we're actually going to keep our ears open in terms of uh, hearing about, right now, there, you know, some of you have asked about material supplies getting there. The word from that part of, the, of, the, of California is that's not what they need right now and not what they want in the midst of what they're dealing with. So we are, probably gonna, we are definitely going to follow up on this again with something more than just a monetary offering, and we'll keep you posted on that. If you have 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I invite you to hear as I read, starting in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us, Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have, how many of you have ever visited an embassy, say like in Washington, D.C.? Raise your hand if you've ever been to an embassy before. Just a couple. How many of you have driven by an embassy if you've been in Washington, D.C.? Yes? Embassies, as you may or may not know, function as extensions of the particular nation they represent in a foreign country. No matter where it's located, the soil on which that embassy rests is considered the sovereign territory of the represented nation. For those who are traveling abroad, and if you didn't know this, this is something helpful to know, the embassy of one's country of citizenship is a place of resource and refuge. Once you're on your embassy's grounds, a citizen is governed by the laws of that country. 
He or she is ensured protection, care, and defense according to the rights and privileges of their home nation. Embassies are staffed, among others, by ambassadors. And an ambassador is an agent who is acting on behalf of his or her government to conduct its relations with foreign nations. Now, I don't know if you know this, but first, ambassadors acted only on specific missions. But then, in the early Middle Ages, Venice actually set up the first permanent system of resident ambassadors in foreign capitals. And by the end of the 18th century, establishing embassies in foreign countries became a general practice. Now, the role of an ambassador, however, as a representative of one country to another, is a calling that goes much farther back than the 18th century. It is a role, as we just heard, that Paul associates with we who follow Jesus. And think about this for a second. He could have just called us representatives for, G- for Christ, emphasizing how we, in whatever we say or do, communicate to others about the one we follow, who Jesus is, what Jesus is like, etc. But being specifically called ambassadors for Christ adds something more to this idea of representation. It implies something about our understanding of our citizenship, of where we call home. After all, ambassadors, as I just mentioned, don't just represent their leaders. Ambassadors represent their home countries. In other words, we don't just represent Christ. We represent his kingdom, the scope of his territory and his reign. And how far is that? Well, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection affect more than the redemption and restoration of my life, your life, our lives. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus enact, as Paul stresses here, God's reconciliation of the world to himself. Both the cross and the resurrection accomplish God's victory over the powers, all of the powers that stand between humanity and her creator, sin, death, the devil. So more than just offering forgiveness for our brokenness, more than just extending the promise of salvation when we die, Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, reclaims all creation as the kingdom of God. This declaration, in fact, of the kingdom of God was Jesus's repeated emphasis in his ministry, and it's picked up. It's the central theme of all the writers of the New Testament. Once outsiders, you and I, once foreigners to this kingdom, God in Christ has called us out of the world we once knew, a life diametrically opposed to what our Heavenly Father intended for us and has transferred us into the world the way it was created to be, as it eventually will be transformed, the life we were meant for, life that flourishes that learns and grows and matures according to God's design. This work, the Lord's work of breaking into the old order of things, redeeming and transforming all creation in Christ, is the kingdom of God. So what I'm saying to you this morning, beloved, is we aren't just followers of Jesus. We aren't just followers of Jesus. Together, we are naturalized citizens of the kingdom of God. Naturalized. Because we come to this citizenship not by birth, but by grace. But even more than citizens of the kingdom, again, Paul asserts we are ambassadors of this kingdom, ambassadors for Christ, representatives of a foreign government serving in a country 
that is not our own. Another way of saying this, and this might strike some of us as odd, but it's true. We are not, first and foremost, Americans. We are not, first and foremost, Americans. Firstly, ultimately, we belong to Christ. Our allegiance, our abiding, are to Jesus' standards and values, to Christ's commissioning and lordship. That's what Paul's referring to when he cryptically makes this statement, right? We regard no one from a worldly point of view. What Paul is trying to convey here is the contrast between the old way of seeing each other and our life in this world and a different way. The new creation we are becoming together in Christ. Paul writes elsewhere in his letter to the Galatians, the distinctions that once mattered in our old lives, the labels that still divide us in a world apart from God, Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, no longer apply in God's kingdom. We perceive each other in Christ, not in terms of gender, status, sexuality, identity, or position, but appeal to everyone without discrimination, without judgment, as those to whom God has lovingly reconciled himself through Jesus. Being part of God's diplomatic core is so key to who we are in Christ, you'll notice Paul challenges us. Being compelled by the love of Jesus to die to ourselves, to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for Christ. To not only represent Jesus to others, but to appeal on Christ's behalf to become a part of his new creation. And so you see, more than a command or a role, being ambassadors for his kingdom, this present future, this new creation, is who God designed us to be. And that is why as we close out our sermon series, looking at the vision for our future is grace, and over these last two weeks, and here's the third, we've been talking about the three identifying markers of what it means to live out of this vision, which, by the way, you can find on the back of your bulletin, We've talked about being followers of Christ. We've talked last week about being relational bridge builders. And we come to this, that the third benchmark for living into who God has called us to be is that we are to be kingdom ambassadors. Kingdom ambassadors. And being kingdom ambassadors means that together, as the church, we don't represent any earthly government. As the body of Christ, we are not the sovereign territory of any temporal power. We belong to Jesus. Our worship and our witness as ambassadors for Christ is not self-centered. It is not self-interested. Our worship is centered on Jesus, and our witness is directed towards Christ's interest, the object of our Father's love and desire. And who is that? All who seek asylum from this world as it is and long for a better life for the world as it was meant to be. As ambassadors for Christ, we don't talk of going to church. We speak of going as the church with the authority and in the power of the Spirit to reveal and share the kingdom of God with others who have yet to taste and see, to hear and touch, to know and encounter the Spirit's presence working in our life now in order to bring us into the life to come. As ambassadors, we understand it is in Christ that we flourish together. 
And flourishing in Christ together means recognizing that we have both the capacity and the responsibility to represent our King to everyone, everywhere, and always. Being ambassadors for Christ means the places and spaces we occupy are intended to become embassies, extensions of our Creator's rule and reign. And that means that being an ambassador for Christ doesn't start here. Being an ambassador for Christ doesn't start at church. It starts at home. It starts at home. It's not just about the church building that we visit on any given Sunday. The apartment, the house, where at whatever living space we call home seven days a week is also to be an embassy of the kingdom of God. Now, that might be shocking for some of us because we tend to treat our homes like our own private sanctuaries, right? Our place for getting away from the rest of the world and therefore off limits to others. Some people even put up signs to ward off others, right? No visitors or solicitors. Beware of the dog. Do not disturb And even those of us who aren't like that, even those of us who are inclined to welcome or invite others into our home, even those of us who are dispositioned that way, yeah, come on over, we wait to do so. We wait until the rooms are clean. We wait until a meal is ready. We wait until the children are well behaved. We wait until we have free time. But there comes a point where all our waiting becomes our default posture. Always willing, but never quite available. Now, I want you to hear this. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with wanting or needing some space to ourselves. And while there are obvious reasons, occasions where waiting for the right time is required, ultimately, we must remember our homes do not belong to us. Our living spaces are a blessing from the Lord given to us to dedicate to his purposes. Think about it. Into a wavering and weary world, God comes down in Christ in order to bring us into the truth, peace, love, and security of his presence. And we who follow Jesus, we who take up residence in Christ, are called upon to open ourselves open ourselves up to do the same to those who are longing for a place where they can be loved, protected, and healed. Our homes can be that place. Our homes are meant to be that place, not just a private sanctuary for ourselves, but a refuge, an embassy of the kingdom of God for others, for those in need. Ask yourself, how can your home become an embassy for the kingdom of God? And I would encourage you to think in terms of hospitality. The practice of hospitality is how we turn our homes into embassies for the kingdom of God. Jesus, think about this, Jesus modeled genuine hospitality. Jesus invited strangers like Andrew, Nathaniel, and Levi to follow him. Jesus purposefully shared meals with tax collectors, prostitutes, and sinners. Jesus allowed himself to be interrupted by people who voiced out their need for him, giving them in return not a cold shoulder, not a grumble, but all of his attention. 
from receiving invitations into people's homes to preparing breakfast for his closest friends, you could say the ministry of Christ was one unending display of hospitality. And therefore, our simple hospitality, right? Openness towards neighbors, kindness towards strangers, friendliness towards visitors, generosity toward guests isn't just good manners. Such postures ultimately introduce others to Jesus. More than offering food, drink, and shelter, hospitality reflects the character and creativity of the triune God who extends his perfect relational being as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to make room for us. So don't hide behind your backyard fence or front door. Say hello to those around you. Instead of sitting in front of the TV after dinner or lounging in your backyard, take a slow stroll down your street and introduce yourself to the people you encounter. Get to know them. And somewhere along the way, invite them to break bread with you. Now I know, yeah, sure, the church and other buildings in the community have plenty of meeting space. Every, that's everybody. Oh, my house is just not big enough. The church, they've got more room. Starbucks, they've got more room. Sure, there are other places that you can go. But why not consider inviting people into your home instead? Even if it's small, even if it's cozy. Because here's the thing. Even within a few hours, relationships will grow immensely and authentically when they're spent under the roof of someone's home. Try it. Try it. I mean, here we are just a couple of days, not just away from the kennel show, but from Thanksgiving, our annual test run, right? Our annual test run. I mean, Thanksgiving's a time where all of us suddenly become mindful. Do you have a place to go? Do you have somewhere you're going to be? We open up our homes once a year on Thanksgiving, hopefully. But what we do as a test run annually is meant to be our, our ongoing daily disposition towards others. And so I want to encourage you to be open this Thanksgiving, but I want to go bigger than that. The next time you're planning a gathering, a birthday party, a family event, take the initiative to open your home. Now that doesn't mean you have to do all the work. You could still ask others to bring a dish or help clean up. But it does mean you're willing to be an ambassador to introduce those on the guest list to the way of Jesus and the kingdom of God. How about this? If you've got the room, or if it wouldn't take much to make room, reconfigure the space you live in to allow international students, a transitioning family, a youth intern, out-of-town friends, or even total strangers, a place to stay as needed. And how timely is that in light of so many who've been displaced because of these fires? How many in the past, through flooding and hurricanes, have had the same immediate need? They may be far away, but you may have people far away that wouldn't, <laughs> if it's a place to have a roof over their head, wouldn't mind coming down while they're trying to figure out how their life goes on. You know, someone I want to point to in our community, and I'm probably going to get in big trouble for this, so I need you to give me cover, is Mark and Betty Wardle sitting right there. Mark and Betty Wardle sitting right there have more times than I can count opened up their home, and they don't have a mansion. They have a nice home, but they don't have a mansion. But they've opened up their home and given shelter. They've given food. They've given rides. They've given friendship. They've given home in the middle of very difficult times for several different people over the course of the time that I've known them. 
And I'm here to tell you, their hospitality, their ambassadorship in the name of Jesus has helped many different lives to flourish in Christ. The possibilities are endless. All it takes is an open door and an open heart. Being an ambassador for Christ starts at home, but being an ambassador for Christ also includes where we work. Where we work. The quality and character of what we do and the attitude by which we do it in our workplace is a significant part of our witness for Jesus. Probably more than any of our spoken words, people observe our work. The things we do day in and day out. Our actions show the attitudes of our hearts. And wherever it is we work, people see that. When we put forth explicitly or implicitly that we are Christians, others observe how we work and how we treat other people, all to prove or disprove the attitudes they have about Christians and about Christ. Of course, I know you're saying, well, I got a job to do, you know? I gotta, I'm there for a reason. I have a job to do. Yes, but how you engage that work, how you do your job, being diligent and honest, working to the best of your ability, sharing the credit with others, and admitting your mistakes is an extension of your representation of Jesus. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a big assignment or some monumental project. I mean, isn't that funny? At work, people often want to do the big thing, you know, the high-profile job. Rarely does anyone want to do the small stuff it takes to allow the big things to happen. And yet, most of our jobs are filled with just that. Small, regular, routine tasks, little things that often go unnoticed, but if left undone or not done well, negatively affect everything else. You know, you think about it, Jesus didn't delegate the tasks of the kingdom in order to save himself for the cross. Hey guys, I got some serious heavy lifting to do in just a couple years, so I'm going to be kind of directing you, but I need to save my strength for the big work. No, and he tells us this, Christ came among us as one who serves, humbly and willingly doing whatever the Father called him to do whether it was healing others, feeding others, counseling others, teaching others, even washing feet. Jesus engaged the little things in order for the big event, the work of the cross and the resurrection, to be fully clear. And through it all, Jesus never took praise for a job well done, but always pointed and gave the glory to God. Do you you perceive your work as an extension of your faith? a reflection of your relationship with Jesus? Because ambassadors for Christ recognize their work, whatever it is, is not their own. Whatever they are asked to do or able to do is done as for the Lord. It's not about the size of the task or the scope of the job that bears eternal impact. It's the presence of Jesus in us and how he reveals himself, how Christ's kingdom is represented through our faithful work. Do you view your office, your cubicle, whatever the territory is that you occupy for work, do you view that as an embassy of the kingdom of God? Let me ask you, what if you claimed that space, whatever, wherever it is, what if you claimed that space for Christ? And by claiming it, I mean praying over it, 
Thanking the Lord for the physical space where you work. Thanking the Lord for the work you have to do. Thanking the Lord for the people, colleagues, and clients with whom you are working and acknowledging the Spirit's presence and leading in that space. By claiming it, I mean not only dedicating the space, but the hours that you work to the Lord's service. Praying for others who enter into that time and space of your work and treating each person as if Jesus himself were doing business with you. Seeking that for each person who comes to you, comes through your door, they would experience a tangible difference, a sense of peace and calmness in the otherwise busyness of our jobs. By claiming it, I mean realizing and confessing apart from Christ, you can do nothing. But abiding in Christ, you can accomplish whatever the Lord has put before you each day. This past summer, I uh, went to uh, the North American Lutheran Church Conference in Colorado, and uh, I did not rent a car, so I was relying upon Uber. And I imagine most of you have made use of Lyft or Uber at some point in your life. I have many, many times. So I took several Uber trips because I didn't want to stay just in the local area. I like to check out places when I visit them. And I got into one Uber car with a driver who was very talkative. Most of them, you know, engage in conversation, but really talkative. And something you got to know about me, and don't judge me for this, is I generally don't come out about being a pastor in public. Um, because it kind of changes the temperature in the room. It changes things for me. Um, so, so I don't generally kind of let people know that, it, it, I just, you know, unless the Lord tells me to. Um, otherwise, I'm just Chris Whiteman, incognito pastor. Um, <laughs> so I'm in this uh, Uber car, and I haven't said anything about... He, he, essentially, he didn't ask where I was, because that would have been a real giveaway. Why are you at this conference center? Um, and so we're just talking, and in the midst of talking, really good conversation, just really friendly. He just says, you know... I'm just getting a sense from the Lord. How can I pray for you? Now, that's a question I normally ask people. And I'm incognito, right? So I'm like, this is kind of cool. I don't regularly get people asking, how can I pray for you? And we had had such a good conversation. I don't know what it, I would not have normally have done this. I'm serious. I'm not, I'm pretty close to the vest. I really kind of opened up about some stuff that was going on for me personally. And, you know, I said, this is kind of where I'm at. And, you know, this is kind of going on. And, you know, I, yeah, you could pray for this. And, we kept driving, had the conversation, got there, and I go, oh, thanks a lot. I'm a, it was a great trip. He goes, whoa, whoa, let's pray. I'm like, what? He goes, you said you need some prayer. Let's pray right now. And I, I literally, I honestly said this. He said, who are you? <laughs> and he said, I'm a follower of Jesus. Kid you not. And this is what we do. We pray. And I go, yeah, but who are you? And he goes, what do you mean? I go, he goes, I, I go okay, look, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'm a pastor, and most of the followers of Jesus, is that, Jesus that I come across, they don't do this. And he goes, well, I got something to confess to you, too. I'm a pastor. <laughs> this was great. And I said, What? And he said, yeah, and he talked to me about this church that uh, he, he, he's a tent maker. It's church. He, he can't support his family just on the church alone, and so he needed a second job, and he decided to be an Uber driver. And basically, I said, an Uber driver? I heard that doesn't pay very much. And he goes, yeah, it doesn't pay a lot. He goes, but it, it covers what, I, what we need as a family. And honestly, the reason why I went to be an Uber driver is I thought that just gives me an opportunity to meet people on a regular basis and talk to them and sort of share Christ, represent Christ to them. 
And he goes, and so he gave me this whole thing about how he views his car. And he didn't use the word embassy, but just as this space that he claims for the Lord. And when people come in, he goes, you know, people come in and I talk to them. If they talk back, great. Sometimes they don't. I leave. I don't push. But sometimes I've had conversation with people and I ask them and people let me pray for them. And he goes, and I've actually led a couple people to Christ in this car. I'm like, I got to think about being an Uber driver. So he actually got caught up in all this, said, let's pray. We prayed. It was real, both prayed for each other. It was really cool. And then I realized it took us, I think, 20, 25 minutes to get where we were. An hour later, <laughs> after the conversation, the prayer, and I realized, oh, my gosh, we have been here for over an hour. And he's like, don't apologize. This is where the Lord wanted us to be. I'm just sharing you don't have to be an Uber driver to recognize that the place where God has put you to work is a place where you can represent and reflect him and his kingdom. How can we intentionally create that space in the busyness of all of our business? How can we be attentive and available for the work that the Lord has called us to do? And part of what I'm reflecting back from that experience is, can we open up our schedule? And I know that that's like verboten, right? Because we're all jam-packed. Can we open up our schedule to investigate how we can allow for such encounters? Maybe reconsider how we take our break. Maybe reconsider how we handle our lunch. Maybe even consider coming in early. Not necessarily early to work, but interact with the people you work with. Maybe staying a little bit late so you can interact with the people that you work with. Yes, you still have to do your job, and I get it. I'm not taking away from that. You have to do your job, but beloved, don't forget the larger work to which you have been called. And it's not your paycheck. Being an ambassador to Christ, building the embassy of the kingdom at work means keeping an open door policy in order to see others who need help, in order to offer a listening ear to someone who is struggling, maybe a word of prayer or an even more tangible means of support. Being an ambassador for Christ starts at home and includes our work, but beyond our homes, beyond our places of work, if you're not getting this, every space we inhabit regularly or even just for a moment is a sacred space. By our presence in it, it becomes an embassy of God's reign, an extension of Christ's loving and just reclamation of a broken world. As an ambassador, ambassadors are conscious of the territory in which they operate. They are mindful and deliberate about the areas where they have influence. I mean, come on, in doing life, we all have this habit, right? In doing life, we tend to frequent the same places. I talked about this a little bit last week. We all have our routines, the places we go to to get whatever we need, groceries, gas, coffee, office supplies, etc. What I'm saying here is be intentional and own your patterns. Perhaps you might even adopt a certain location as an area of focus. Doing this provides you opportunities to interact and encounter people whom you might not otherwise meet in other places. And that kind of intentionality fosters the development of relationships with those people as well as the ability to serve and care for them. I'm going to point out someone else who does this so well, and that's Drew back there. Drew is amazing at claiming territory for the kingdom of God. And he's very strategic about it. If you don't know about BT's barbecue, then you haven't hung out with Drew. (laughs) Right across the street, he doesn't just tell you about it because he loves it, which he does. 
He tells you about it because in his love for it, he could just go and get fed and get out of there, but he knows the person who owns that restaurant. He knows the people who work there. He frequents it, not just to get his barbecue fix, but to build relationship. How do I know this? Because if you haven't heard of Cafe Montage, which is across the street, which offers a great cup of coffee and a great vibe, then you haven't had coffee with Drew because that's his go-to spot. And actually, Drew wasn't the first person to go there. It was Lee. Grantley, excuse me, Grantley, and Grant invited Drew, and then Drew started inviting everybody. In fact, Drew introduced the owner of Cafe Montage to the people at BT's, and now they're, they're friends. When we went to the Angel Game a couple of months ago, the owner of Cafe Montage was there with us, because Drew invited him. We all frequent certain places. If you're strategic about it, and I'm not talking like stalker weird, like making notes, I'm not saying that. Please don't do that. I'm just saying, hey, I have to get a cup of coffee. Why not go to the same place? And if I go to the same place, why not get to know the people who I see every time? The people who frequent it all the time, let alone the people who own it. Why not? Build relationship. And through building relationship, be an extension of the kingdom of God. You see, receiving the good news of the gospel is more than a gift. It's a commissioning by Jesus to share with others. It's the invitation to know and follow him, yes, but it's also the invitation to invite others to enter into his kingdom. Now, I know when I say all this, I'm sharing all this really good stories, but the reality is that sometimes we can get overwhelmed by this call to kingdom ambassadorship. I mean, there's so much territory to cover in this big, wide world. There are so many people who are in pain who are struggling all around us. If if we really were to stop, and and absorb all the needs, all the problems around the planet, it can leave us feeling like there's nothing we can possibly do to make any meaningful difference. I mean, we can't help everyone, and that's absolutely right. We can't help everyone, but Jesus can. Christ is putting his arms around the world through us. Don't you get it? Through us, hear this, and some of you really need to hear this. There is to be no limit on the extent of our love, but there must be a limit on the expression of our love. Beloved, sometimes we get so fixated with helping everybody, solving all the problems of this world, we end up actually helping nobody. Sometimes in getting all caught up in thinking about how we can love those in need all around us, we forget to love the person in need who's right in front of us. Think about this. While there was no limit on the extent of Jesus' love for all persons, sick children, persecuted women, distraught fathers, earnest soldiers, curious observers, even criminals who hung on the cross next to him, right? Right? Even though there was no limit on the extent of Jesus' love for all persons, even Jesus had limits to the expression of his love. How many he could engage, interact with, and impact at any given moment. In his day-to-day ministry, Jesus only reached out in love and helped the people the Father placed before him. Again, there is to be no limit to the extent of our love. We are to love everyone, embrace all people without discrimination or prejudice as fellow children of God. However, there will be, there must be a limit on the expression of our love. As kingdom ambassadors, we can only practically reach out and love the person or people God has placed in our lives today. 
Every day, the Lord places people in our lives, specific persons to which the Spirit is leading us to represent Christ towards. Sometimes our witness to the love of Jesus will be nothing more than a warm smile or a momentary but life-giving exchange. Other times, being an ambassador for Christ may ask us to delay a pressing engagement by walking an extra mile to give the shirt off our back or offer a cup of cold water. And there may also come a time when our witness to the kingdom may even require the reconfiguration of the daily routine of our lives for another person. Being a kingdom ambassador is not a low-risk proposition, people. However, in our diplomacy for Christ, we have unique resources First, Jesus goes before us. As Paul writes in another letter to the Ephesians, Christ has prepared good works ahead of time for us to do. We lead by first following Jesus, doing what he did for us. Jesus has also provided us with a gift, the authority and empowerment of the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish that to which he calls us. And finally, Jesus has promised he will never leave or forsake us, that he is both with us and for us to the very end of the age. No ambassador has ever had better resources than this. And if by the grace of God, we are willing to yield to the leading of the Spirit and reflect Christ in each moment, the Lord will work miracles, my friends. Not always ones we will see, but always what will further what seems impossible. The transformation of all creation with his goodness and glory, the arrival of a new heavens and a new earth. My friends, as citizens of his kingdom, we are called to be ambassadors for Christ, representatives of this full, abundant, and everlasting life that Jesus offers to everyone. Grace, forgiveness, compassion, these are not simply trophies we get to put on the shelves of our lives. They are living, active truths we are intended to embody and share with others by acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly before our God. Being a kingdom ambassador is not a call to go out on the street, stand on a box, and start preaching at everybody that walks by. It's consciously loving the people God places right in front of us. It's intentionally occupying and extending our living spaces and places as embassies, extensions of Christ's rule and reign. It's inviting others to share life with us, to enter into the reality and the practicality, the dailiness and the depth of our relationship with Jesus and Christ's engagement with the world around us. It's bearing witness to the presence of the Holy Spirit working in the cracks and crevices of our brokenness while living in expectation and pointing along the way to the fullness of the kingdom as it advances, to the fullness of the kingdom as it comes.